I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is Barbie. Hiya, Barbie. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. Look, we're in the middle of the silly summer season. I've already done one on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. The next one's going to be Oppenheimer. I'm not going to do all of the summer movies, but of course I'm going to sort of catch on with these. Can I sort of get a bit of interest if I sort of like hang on the hashtags? Well, that obviously means the content has to be relevant if you like and believe it or not i have a bit of history with barbie kind of and also it's a really genuinely interesting subject so yeah this is going to be history from the second half of the 20th century moving onwards but it is really interesting because when i talk about pop culture you can't kind of get more pop culture than barbie and it's incredible tracking and sort of almost parallel world to the real world out there. It's just so interesting, which might surprise you, seeing I quite often talk about things like Predator, and like I say, the next one's about Oppenheimer, you know, pretty highbrow movie to do with Christopher Nolan. But, but yeah, look, everybody's allowed to like whatever they want, and this is by no means meant to be a boy podcast, and it's just nice to talk about the girls from time to time. And so, yes, this will be talking about feminism. It'll be talking about Reconstruction post-war Germany. No, really. And it will be telling you some dark sides of the patriarchy and all kinds of different directions. Now, full disclosure, at the time of recording, the movie isn't out. And I'm going to say this is a film that I am not going to be rushing to see in the cinema but it's a classic example of, I might, depending on what the reviews are like, I might very well end up watching it on, you know, TV, on Sky or something like that, you know, when it comes out on Disney Plus or wherever it's going to be available. So allow me to explain why actually this might be kind of interesting. And the weird thing is, it's coming out. It's a, it's a big budget movie. It's got a huge cast. And it's coming out exactly the same time as the Oppenheimer movie. And let's face it, I'm only going to go to the cinema once in the weekend. And, and you know, Christopher Nolan is I'm more of a fan of. So, but, but let me sort of talk this through. So there have been lots of different Barbie multimedia events in the past. If you go back to the early 2000s, there was a slew of 
in essence, CGI, computer-generated Barbie movies, which clearly it was animated and the Barbie absolutely looked like the classic Barbie that you would get out of a box, and it had various cast members, and it was all cheap, straight-to-video or DVD type affair. Now, for a a six-year-old, and, and this is the thing, you get a lot of toy tie-ins, and because they're aimed, a lot of toys are for six-year-olds, or eight-year-olds, or ten-year-olds. These people haven't necessarily watched The Godfather, and nor should they, quite frankly. That's a very adult movie. But they don't necessarily have the highest threshold of what is quality. When I used to take my kids to various movies, they sometimes would see something which was fine, but declare it the single greatest movie of all time, and it's like, yeah, okay, you're seven, I get it. And this is the same for both boys and girls, and so this stuff was not meant to be compared with Shawshank Redemption. Tonally very different, market very different. It was there to reinforce the play with the children. So basically what I found really interesting is there are sort of two basic types of traditional toys that you would sell to people. There would be toys, play toys, so think of something like a Barbie, and then there are role-play elements. So that's where, if we pick another very popular toy range that's been around for decades, although it's not as long as Barbie, you've got something like the Power Rangers. So you can buy a Power Ranger figure, which is a play figure, much like a Barbie, but you can also buy a little outfit for the kids to dress up in so they can pretend to be a Power Ranger. So that would be a role-play element-type toy. Indeed, you might be able to buy a child-sized sword, which would be wielded in the show. And so what I find interesting is there is a little bit of role-play element product out there for Barbie. You know, little girls can get fairy princess outfits. Fun fact, my two boys, when they were round about the age of two and a half at this very sort of cool nursery, which animals were there, so children were introduced to farmyard animals, so they weren't scared of animals or getting dirty and muddy. It was just a glorious time. The amount of times I sort of like would appear and my child would be handed back to me caked in mud and I'd basically have to lay a blanket out on the back, or my wife did. My wife on one occasion, whilst picking up eldest child, who was probably about, let's say, three at the time, and therefore the youngest child was about one in a little car seat in the back, and literally a pig got halfway into the car. Unfortunately, all children found it funny. My wife was quite distressed, and also a fully grown pig. If it doesn't want to move, kind of hard to get it out of your car. That was a whole story from my family there. But both of them at this nursery, around about the age of two and a half, three, basically found these fairy princess outfits and decided to dress up in them. And we, of course, took photos of them like that, which we can use as bribery against these boys as they grow up and go, oh, yeah, you think you've always been super cool and super tough and super macho? Have a look at you being a fairy princess. And let's be honest, what's not to love about it? They are the most colorful clothes. They are shiny clothes. They're glittery clothes. They've got wings on the back of them. They're basically superhero outfits. It's just as adults, we assume girls should be wearing them. And we allow them to wear them. And you know what? They are both grown up to be heterosexual boys, and they identify as males. So, you know, let your kids do whatever they want. You don't want to start making a big deal about this stuff. It can be a passing phase. So, yeah, Barbie has been interesting for boys and girls over the years. But when it was announced, 
that Margot Robbie, who is an attractive young woman who tends to have blonde hair, is going to be playing Barbie in a movie. It's like, okay, why not? Yeah, after all, we've had things like Cinderella come out, so and Sleeping Beauty movies, so why not a Barbie movie for a perhaps slightly older audience? And obviously, you know, we've got perhaps some slightly more mature jokes. It's maybe not aimed at six-year-olds. It's got a bit of a budget to it. And Barbie is a global phenomenon. Why not? But there was obviously a feeling of like, come on, it's Barbie, you know, it's it's not exactly Shakespeare, is it? And then the list of people involved in this movie just got bigger and bigger. First of all, the co-writer and director is Greta Gerwig. She's obviously a woman, and she's done lots of edgy, quirky, female-orientated stories. So she's hardly going to be doing a movie that's basically about Barbie being beautiful and lying on a beach and being Barbie and trying to please Ken. So clearly already there was a bit of quirkiness going on there. Then we found out that Ken was going to be played by Ryan Gosling, which was like, hmm. He tends to do really interesting, quite often indie films, which that just doesn't seem to be that this is heading in the direction of being obvious. Helen Mirren's in it. Emma Mackay's in it. There's all these different sort of interesting actors. Simu Liu, who is Shang-Chi in the Shang-Chi movie. You've got all these different people getting involved in it. It's like, none of these people are bad actors. All of them have picked really interesting roles in the past. This is not going to be just dumb, and this is not just going to please six-year-olds, clearly. But obviously... Once we get into something that is into satire, by the way, there's an episode about satire. I did one about comedy about six months ago, I'm going to say. Satire's coming up very soon. So if it's satirical, at that point, you run a bit of a risk. Because maybe you skewer it perfectly and you get a stone-cold classic. Brilliant. Great. But comedy is very personal. And either it lands or it doesn't. You know, what's funny and this seems quite high concept. I love the marketing, which within a day, everybody was sick of all the memes around it. But that's the idea. Let's get it out there. Let's make it so like bright and bold. And so you've got these female characters and they're all Barbies of various different ethnicities and sizes. More on that kind of thing later on. So, for example, hang on, I've got an exact quote here. I need to pick it out here. This Barbie has a Pulitzer. This Barbie is president. So basically all the women, you get to find out they are Barbies and they are great, basically. You know, they, they've got serious careers. They're not just cooking and worried about clothes and things like that, which was something leveled at Barbie over the years. And absolutely, clearly, the movie's not doing that. Whereas the gag is every single guy is like, and he's a Ken. It's like, so this Barbie has a Pulitzer and this is Ken. This Barbie is the president. And here's another Ken. And so if you like, the men are getting dunked on, which, you know, feeding into the whole kind of feminist ideals, which are sort of around Barbie, although they were very much added later, this has potential to be great. It has potential to be a huge hit as little girls go and see it and get it at one level. And then adult women, or indeed anybody, can go and just sort of laugh along with it and go, oh, this is very clever how it works in both levels. It's a bit like something like WALL-E, or, you know, the, the very best Pixar keeps the kids happy, but, you know, the adults are sitting there being moved to tears or laughing raucously at just a joke that kind of makes sense to them. It's not necessarily an adult joke, but it's just sort of like it's referencing something as like, that, that goes over the kids' heads but keeps the, the parents entertained as well. You know, the very best 
family entertainment genuinely entertains the whole family. When it came to both Up and Wally, both of those, my boys were very little, and I saw them in the cinema, and I thought, how would a child get anything from these? These are clearly made for adults, but the boys loved it at a very different level. I mean, Up it destroys you in the first 15 minutes. So I cannot tell you whether the Barbie movie is any good. But I'm going to tell you right now, clearly, efforts being put in. This is not a cheap cash grab. This is a little bit like, and there was an episode about Lego a while ago, this is a little bit like the first Lego movie, that when the news came out, there's going to be an animated movie about Lego. It's like, well, you know, minimum effort on that. Turned out to be a brilliant, entertaining film that everybody loved. It made a huge amount of money at the box office, and the critics loved it, and it could be if they get the tone right, if the script is as sharp as I hope it is, Barbie could be doing the same thing, and that is a very strange sentence to say, but I have all my fingers and toes crossed for it. Believe in Barbie. That's what I can tell you about the film. I've bigged it up as much as I can. Can't really tell you much more than what I've seen in the trailers and the marketing, and by the time you've heard this, you've probably had a chance to watch it and find out whether they did nail it and it's been getting four and five star reviews and it's had a very strong box office opening, or whether it's one of these summer movies where it sounded like a good idea on paper and it then completely crashed and burned. Time will tell. Let's get into the barbiness of it all. And what I love about this is I'm going to talk about... I'm going to talk about... Well, World War Two. I'm going to talk about, I just, it's just, it goes into so many different places. So, the thing about Barbie is the original Barbie doll was neither created in America, nor was she called Barbie. And indeed, technically, this isn't even the first movie to have a Barbie in it. And I'm talking about a proper feature film, live action. Allow me to explain. You see, what happened was, where to start with this, I've written it all down, and yeah, do you know what, I'm not going to do the twist, I'm just going to get on with actually what happened there. So, there's a, a German tabloid newspaper called Bild, and it's still around today, it's got a decent circulation, but back in the 1950s, it was one of the key things that people would read in Germany. Now, let's be honest, when I say Germany in the 1950s, you know what happened in the 1940s. And there is an, an amazing book called Aftermath by Harold Jena, which basically tells the story of Germany from the summer of 1945 to 1955. So basically on page one, the war ends. And then it tells the story of Germany in the next 10 years. Why did I buy it? Because when it came out, I realised I know nothing about Germany from 1945, after the war, to 1955. And so I found it absolutely fascinating. I thoroughly recommend you have a look at it. I'm actually thinking about doing a part of that book as a completely separate podcast, which taught me a whole area of pop culture that's now completely disappeared, but was really hot for about five years after the war. I'm thinking about that, so I don't want to go too much into it. But... Let's be honest for a moment. Germany after World War II was in a complete mess. And the thing is, by let's fast forward just a few years, by 1950, 
if you just looked at the whole of Europe and said, where would you put your money on for being the big economic power by the end of the century? Nobody, including Germany, would have put their money on Germany. One little statistic that will chill you to the bone. At the end of World War II, there were 70 million people in Germany. 40 million of those were displaced people. And so that just gives you an idea of this tidal wave of humanity trying to go back to various different places. It was eight years after the war, 1953, that some of the German prisoners of war were finally released by the Soviet Union. Many of those have been captured at Stalingrad and have been sent to Siberia. So they've been in Siberia for basically 10 years. Thousands of them, tens of thousands of them died through poor treatment, through exposure through hunger and starvation so the rest of europe might have been picking itself up after world war ii germany had sunk lower and had further to go and yet 10 years after the war it was going places it, it unbelievably when people talk about the economic miracle of germany it's very easy to say that today because we know it's the biggest economy in europe but when you read the book, you realize it does seem to be a miracle. It was amazing how they managed to bounce back from almost total oblivion. The clever thing about the book is it gives you empathy for Germany, but not sympathy for Germany, because at no point do they try and disabuse you of the fact that Germany started it. There were still Nazis in Germany after 1945, and yeah, it was a mess, but we need to sort of understand that as a sign of kind of how proud Germany should be today. Anyway, in amongst all of that, the newspapers started up again, and it was a way for people to consume things. A lot of people sort of forget how important newspapers were prior to the internet. You know, it's the way everybody got their information. It was the information superhighway of its time. Yes, it was. You basically got the news within 24 hours of it happening, and the standard ritual of sitting there and reading the newspaper was sort of like the patriarchal duty in the morning and millions of Germans or hundreds of thousands at least would have been reading Bild in Germany. And in 1953, we get a comic strip being created called Lily. And so this became known as Bild Lily because Lily was appearing in Bild as a cartoon strip. And she was really quite sassy. She was this sort of new woman, the sort of the post-war woman. Again, don't want to get too much into the book here, but because so many of the men had been fighting in the war or been captured, etc., the women of Germany ended up having to do so much more than kind of any other women in Western Europe. They were stronger and more independent, and there were huge amounts of men who came back, and either they found out that their wife didn't need them, or they found out that their wife had moved on and sort of shacked up with an American. Or the wife basically, you know, the man came back and tried to impose his will. And basically she said, well, where have you been for the last five years? You're no use to me and I want a divorce. So it was actually, you know, doubly sad for the, the soldiers coming back as well. They'd been defeated, some of them genuinely wounded. And now they're being metaphorically wounded by the fact that their family doesn't need them or to looks back on them. And, and they're just sort of shattered husks of men. So women in Germany were strong and sassy and willing to move with the times. There was a hunger to move forward. Let's face it, the last 10 years have been awful for so many different reasons. And so Lily 
personified that kind of woman. That And she was quite sexual as well. There was a joke, you know, this is kind of one of the most famous ones. She's standing there wearing a bikini, a two-part swimsuit, and a German police officer goes up to her and goes, it's illegal to wear a two-piece swimsuit on the streets. And she goes, which half would you like me to remove? Which, scandalous in the 1950s. You'd never get anything like that in a British or American newspaper from the same time. So Build Lily then was a huge hit. It actually helped improve the circulation of Build. So she kept running as a tabloid well into the 1960s. And what was interesting is she was so popular that very unusually for that time, she was turned into a doll. And if you see a Lily doll from like the 1950s, she was made. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. From 1955 to 1964, about 130,000 lilies were made, and she looks remarkably like Barbie, because that's what Barbie's based on. You might be thinking, hey, on, you've been talking about Barbie for the first half of this, and he's been banging on about Lily for 10 minutes. Why? Because that's what happened. Basically, an American woman from a toy company came to Germany, and she was sort of, she wasn't looking for this. She didn't know this had even existed. But she was trying to think of, like, finding a an adult doll for girls. Because prior to Barbie, little girls were given baby dolls to look after. Something like the Raggedy Ann, the, the sort of like the classic thing that a, a, an American girl would be given. But basically, these were all infantile 
creatures or children or dolls for the child to look after. But what they actually noticed, this is Ruth Handler, she noticed that sometimes girls and boys would take a product, take a toy, and act out the way they thought adults would work. And so it just occurred to her, why don't we get a like create an adult female figure that we could then use as a, a toy and as a basis of uh, something that I'm going to explain in a moment, but using the razor blade business model. More on that in a moment. And so when she was in Germany, she basically discovered that there was this doll that did everything that she wanted it to do. Now, it wasn't actually quite the same as the uh, as the original Barbies that came out a bit later. They needed to improve the articulation, and actually there was polystyrene in the original Lilies, which wasn't very durable, so they basically used more uh, molded plastic and rubber for Barbie, uh, particularly the rubberized head. If anybody had one of these kind of dolls back in the day, you know, basically from the neck down, hard as rock, which if you threw it a sibling could really hurt them, get a bruise going. But if you hit them with the head, they were very squishable. And that was because you sort of fed in the, the, um, the hair follicles onto the top of the head via that. So for various reasons, she had a rubber head, okay? So it was changed and updated when it moved to America. But what they didn't realize that in Germany, not many girls were playing with Lily dolls because, as I said, she's quite sassy. She's quite sort of sexual. She wasn't necessarily considered suitable for little girls. Now, some little girls, I'm sure, did play with them. Those little girls weren't necessarily reading Build, okay? But there was a whole element, there was a whole culture in Germany where basically, and brace yourself for this bit of patriarchy and something that's completely out of date, that basically... Middle-aged men who took a shine to the young secretary in the office, if they liked them that way, you would buy the woman a lily doll, basically handing it over to her. And if she accepted the lily doll, that meant that she was potentially up for some extracurricular activity, Jem said politely. And it's like, wow, so this is like a calling card for extramarital affairs that's now being turned into a wholesome child's children's product in America, which absolutely squirms and moves away from anything controversial, particularly aimed at children, I'm going to say quite rightly. So that is the very dark start of Barbie, but that's all true, what I've just said. And what's interesting is we then get Hasbro, which is the American manufacturer of Barbie. They then said, well, why don't we get the rights for the Lily doll for international distribution? And that worked. But there was then actually a, a, basically a legal case. Clearly, not everything had actually been, you know, legally speaking, the I's dotted, the T's crossed, etc. And so there was basically a pushback from the manufacturers of the German doll against the American manufacturers, which was all basically resolved in the end. And from basically 1964 onwards, we have Barbie out there for everybody to enjoy. Now, because Lily was so big, and I, you know, this is why I mean, you might be thinking, I paid for Barbie, although, you know, 
podcasts are free. Oh, by the way, do click subscribe. Do give us a review on whatever podcast you're listening to. Thank you very much for that. Much appreciated. Tell somebody about it. That'd be great. Just sort of spread the love if you can. Thank you. Thank you. If this is your first one, we do stuff on all kinds of things. They could be toys, movies, TV shows, video games, songs even. I try and get as much stuff about the ladies in here. This is very female orientated and I'm so pleased about it. But yeah, also I do guy stuff too because I'm a guy. But it does mean because Lily was such a big deal that, of course, like anything else, let's turn it into a movie. These unoriginal ideas of taking one thing and try to make it money out of it a different way is not unique to the 21st century. So this is why I said technically this is not the first live action Barbie movie, because in 1958 there was, obviously it's in German, Lily ein Madchen aus der Großstadt. I have not bothered to translate that. Majkin means sort of like young woman, and Lily Ein Lily is a young woman, and then I haven't got the rest a clue what the rest of it is there. But that does sound like some sort of like German 1930s art house movie that nobody would touch for the barge pole. For the record, I haven't bothered watching Lily Ein Majkin aus der Grostad, and you won't either. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a black and white German masterpiece. But considering the con- maybe this is the- wouldn't it be amazing if the entire script of the 2023 Barbie movie is just an English translation of the 1958 Lily movie? Oh, that I just- just somebody needs to sort of check that. There is no way that's a thing. But it- oh, I'm, I'm starting a conspiracy theory live in your ears right now. So there we go. So- I promise I won't mil, uh, do uh, Lily anymore. Now, actually, I said Hasbro's who they do it, ne- who does it now, because Hasbro's bought everything. Hasbro basically now owns your entire childhood, for heaven's sakes, including Dungeons and Dragons, which for all the ages we used to know, it used to be TSR, and then it used to be Wizards of the Coast, but then Wizards of the Coast got bought by Hasbro, etc. So the first company that actually owned Barbie, we are now onto Barbie, was Mattel. And that Mattel brand with plastic toys was so widespread that even in Vietnam, so basically there was this thing about quality with Mattel, that they would show you a toy and at the end in the 1960s the tagline was, you can tell it's Mattel. And so in the Vietnam War, the M16 rifle, the standard infantry rifle of the war, was one of the first firearms mass-produced that didn't have like a wooden stock, various wooden elements to it, think of something like an AK-47 or indeed a Thompson machine gun with a sort of like burnished wood on them. Instead, they had various elements made from plastic. And so literally GIs in Vietnam would joke as they're sort of handling their M16s, would, would chant, you can tell it's Mattel. So you've even got Mattel references in the Vietnam War there. Just a weird aside, weird quirk there. But anyway, back to the wonderful world of Barbie. So Barbie came out. She wears a classic black and white dress. as She's very de rigueur of the 1950s. And basically, Barbie never looked back. She was an instant success. She flew off the shelves and basically... Mattel knew they were onto something good, and they started repackaging. Now, I mentioned the razor blade business model. So, this is how it works with razor blades. 
And what happens is if you want to buy a starter pack with like the handle and the blades that come with it, that's pretty cheap. But obviously that razor blade will wear out because friction, <laughs> basically. So you're going to have to change the head. You're going to have to change the blades. And if you want a new pack of blades, they are ridiculously expensive. In fact, they're probably more expensive than the starter pack, but you get like five sets of them, whereas you only get one set in the original starter packs. It's just cheap enough to warrant buying the five pack, but at the same time, you know that these tiny bits of metal and plastic do not cost 10 pounds. I'm sure that they're making a profit out of that, but tough, you are now locked into Gillette, Wilkinson, other brands are available, okay? And so it's the same thing with the original G.I. Joe or Action Man, if you're English, and indeed with Barbie. So if you want to buy just a standard Malibu Barbie or something like that back in the day, absolutely you can buy it and that's the cheapest way to do it. But you can remove all of her clothes and obviously Mattel made sure that she was not how can I put this? Anatomically accurate, okay? Lots of molded plastic around the crotch. And the other thing that she's not anatomically accurate is various scientists and anthropologists, female, I might add, have worked out that if Barbie genuinely was sort of like five foot eight with those dimensions, she'd be so top heavy, she'd probably fall over, particularly if she was wearing heels, which she quite often is with the classic like 70s and 80s Barbie, okay? So... <laughs> yeah, so there's a variety of reasons why she's anatomically inaccurate, and I'll be coming on to that and my family in a, in a moment, and also my wife too. So I did not grow up playing with Barbie or other brands. But the other thing, of course, is we've got this blonde-haired, blue-eyed goddess, which is not very reflective of everybody. So what was great is in 1968, Mattel releases Christie who is the first black Barbie, basically. And what's been great over the years, but this did take decades to get there. Even in the 80s and 90s, it was still very much, oh look, there's Barbie, she's got a pink car, and now she's getting out of the pink car to ride on her horse with pink hair, and you, it's extra long hair, which you can braid and sort of brush, and you know, here's her ball gown, and here's her swimsuit, and here's her golfing outfit, or whatever. And it's like, a job where she thinks, you know, where's the Barbie president doll? Is Barbie not allowed to think? Does she actually have a, like a, a career or something like that? You know, why can't she be a pilot or a scientist or an astronaut or whatever? There are all these other things. And obviously, if you don't see that representation, you know, I've had this conversation before and I've written about it in some of my books. Sometimes it can be a little heavy handed or a little tokenistic. But at the very least, if I never see me in that kind of role, I don't believe necessarily, particularly as a kid, that I'm allowed to do that role. I should be allowed to do that role. So, yeah, with that in mind, it was important for little girls to see Barbie not just worrying about her looks. And I love this psychological experiment where basically they take a baby and basically dress it up in a little blue jumpsuit and then give it to somebody to hold who doesn't know the sex of the child, but then sees the blue and assumes that it's a boy. And basically people kind of manhandle and sort of like manipulate and sort of roughhouse a little bit that baby and the baby sort of squeals and enjoys it and has a good old time. And that's great. 
But then they take the baby, same baby, and then put it in a pink little jumpsuit and then give it to people and people kind of mollycoddle it and like don't roughhouse with it and say, well, aren't you beautiful? And in, basically there's been various psychological papers saying if you say to somebody from as early as they can understand language up until their teenage years, you're beautiful, you're so beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're probably going to start thinking your worth is connected with your looks and that ain't healthy particularly if you don't look like a Barbie, because you know what? Nobody does. So, with that in mind, I have made sure I have three amazing nieces, okay? And I have never once told them that they are beautiful, because I figure lots of other people do. I tell them how smart they are. I roughhouse with them. Now, to be fair, I'm not sure how much impact me as an uncle has had with them, I'm going to tell you, two of them seem to be scared of their own shadows. They're lovely girls, but they're not exactly roughhouses. And then my other niece, she's just a real tiger. And even at the age of 12, she remembers, she, she always ran up to me, and I would always, like, grab her by the ankles. I hasten to add she was always wearing trousers, not, not a skirt or anything like that. And I would always yank her upside down, and I would pretend to sweep the floor with her hair, and she's always found that hilarious. And I've been able to do that up until she's 12, I'm getting older, she's getting taller and heavier, so I think I'm going to have to call it quits now. But it's just delightful that she was, she wanted to do that with me up until that sort of like late age. And she has zero issues about her confidence whatsoever. She believes she can do anything, and I absolutely, the other two could do anything as well. They just seem to be overly cautious. Come on, ladies, this is your time you shoot for the stars because us men, we've had our chances and look at what we've done to the planet. So ladies, you do you. So with that in mind, I just want to sort of like quickly go into, like I said, a little bit of family element. So both my sister and my wife, when I asked them, yeah, and I was trying to remember, particularly with my sister, it's like, did you have Barbie? And both of them said, yeah, I had a Barbie but we both had Cindy. Now, if you're American, you don't know what Cindy is, but Cindy was basically a knockoff version in Britain. I don't know if it was available anywhere else, but it was certainly available in Britain. And basically, Cindy had a larger head. In essence, being British, Cindy was slightly frumpier, or in other words, had a more realistic body shape to her. And this is the thing that Barbie has had to do, but has really only been doing for perhaps the last 20 years. Yes, 68, first black Barbie. But that black Barbie was basically had the same unrealistic physical proportions as white Barbie. So it's taken a long time to sort of like start having, you know, larger sized plus size Barbie and, you know, Barbies with freckles and Barbies with various different uh, disabilities and things like that. I believe in the Barbie movie, there's a Barbie with Down syndrome. I think that's so important because for heaven's sakes, women are, are not sex objects and they certainly don't look like Barbie and we don't want to be giving people completely unrealistic expectations about, uh, you know, body image or anything like that. And most importantly in life, that doesn't matter. You know, fine, you may look hot in your 20s, but by the time you're pushing 50, everything's sagging. You don't have the energy to work out. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you know, you're not in your prime now. You're still beautiful absolutely in your own way. But that's the thing. We don't tend to be shown 50-year-olds as being good-looking, be they male or female. You basically got to have abs or a huge decolletage, Jem said politely. And, you know, you're 22 with a glorious tan. It's like, watch out for that. You know, you can get skin cancer from, from all of that. So anyway, says Jem being old. And so what we've got is 
is that so because Barbie, to give you an idea, for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, basically Barbie's turnover is on average about a billion dollars a year. This is big business. This is serious money and serious pop culture. You, you know, Barbie's not to be sniffed at. When I put it like that, you're probably thinking, no wonder they made a movie about it. Yeah, huh. So, you know, my sister and my wife, they actually, you know, th the thing about this is they're all the accessories. I remember this absolutely gigantic, sort of huge, almost closet size thing that was this sort of triple decker ho home for either Barbie or Cindy, I don't know which, but my sister absolutely loved it. And then hilariously, I'd have my action men. So these are like the, the full size, same size as Barbie type action men or G.I. Joes. And I love playing with them and I might have them under my bed behind enemy lines about to carry out some daring operation. Then I'd go for a wee and when I came back, they were gone. Where have they, where have they disappeared to? How good was their camouflage? And then I discovered that they were in my sister's bedroom having tea with the Barbies and Cindy's, just like, you know, in the first Toy Story movie. And it's like, these men are in the middle of a mission. They could be triggered by anything. They could be a bloodbath with Barbie and Cindy. So yeah, that's what always sort of tickled me as a child's like my little sister playing with them. It's like, they're not meant to be having tea. They're meant to be killing people. So anyway, but the other thing my sister had is sweet revenge. Now, my name is Jem, and that is spelled J-E-M. And in 1985, Hasbro did try, at that time they weren't part of Mattel, uh, at that time they did try and go against Mattel. So what did they do? They launched their own version of a kind of glamorous doll, only she was a singer. And this was Jem and the Holograms versus the Misfits, and Jem was truly outrageous. That was the song, and that came out about the time I was hitting puberty, and that destroyed my confidence. I hate Jem, because being chanted as a sort of like a young, lacking in confidence, sort of 13-year-old or something like, oh, truly, truly, truly outrageous. Ha, 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 Jem is your name. Oh, I was teased mercilessly. I would have happily set fire to Hasbro's properties so yeah i don't like gem and the holograms and yet that ran from 85 to 88 and it was designed to try and take the dominance away from barbie so what did barbie do they brought out a singing barbie uh you know with a microphone stuff like that and barbie crushed gem yay barbie and to give you an idea gem they even tried to resurrect that franchise in 2015 there was a live action movie gem and the holograms it failed i'm glad about that so there we go. We've got, you know, my own personal stories wrapped in there. You know, I think thank you very much for allowing me to have this therapy session with you. But we've got the fascinating background story about Barbie and about sort of psychology and feminism and all this kind of stuff. I really hope you enjoy this one. Quite different this time round. And as always, another episode coming soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
budget, normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.